it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Hey wrestling fans, welcome to this week's edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for joining me as always. Be sure to share this on any of the many podcast outlets that are out there. We're on 15 in total, including iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts. Plus you can catch us on audio form on YouTube. And don't forget to check out the production line each and every week coming to you from the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory. When we check out the stars of tomorrow being built today. On this week's episode, we got a lot to look back at with being premiere week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and the very first episode of AEW Dynamite. Plus, even though it's a very short card and not much has been announced, I'm going to do the predictions for the matches that have been announced for tonight's Hell in a Cell pay-per-view that you can catch on the WWE Network. I'll be right back with our look at the independent wrestling scene in Ontario. Wrestling fans, if you're in the area of London, Ontario today, Sunday, October 6th, you want to get down to the London Convention Centre or the RBC Theatre and check out Kenny Omega and Rio. They're there for one last day at the London Comic Con, and you can do photo sessions with them, meet and greet, and at 1.30, Kenny Omega will be having his own panel with Q&A. That's Kenny Omega and Rio, the AEW first ever women's champion of the world at London Comic Con today, the last day in London, Ontario. So get down to the convention center and don't miss this opportunity. Are you looking to get into the wrestling business? Well, look no further than the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory, located right here in London, Ontario. It's Tyson has over 20 years of experience in the wrestling world, and he's even been brought down to the WWE Performance Center to be a guest trainer. We've already seen the likes of Jordan James, Kyle Boone, Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Pharaoh Bowman, Chris Mitchells, and many more. Plus, the new generation that are coming from the second group, such as Josh Pine, Shiloh, 
Nova, Frankie War, and many more. You don't want to miss your opportunity to learn from one of the best in Ontario, if not all of Canada, or the world, in Tyson Dukes. So that's the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. It's open Monday, Wednesday, and Thursdays, and located at 309 Exeter Road here in London. Yo, this is Tarek. You're listening to Scumbags of Wrestling. Punch, kick, chop, done. Welcome back to the show. Now let's check out what's going on with Smash Wrestling. Smash Wrestling returns to action on October 27th at the Lions Auditorium in Tilsonburg, Ontario. This week, some more matches have been announced to set up this card. First up, Smash Wrestling is going to bring you a triple threat match between three very different yet very exciting competitors that all have the makings of a show stealer. Prepare to be entertained as Psycho Mike Rollins, the King of the North, Carter Mason, and the Saturday Night Delight, Tyler Turva, all go at it in triple threat action. Then, two young, hungry competitors square off as Devin Devine takes on Jim Strider. Will Strider continue his meteoric ascent through the ranks of Smash Wrestling, or will Devine bring that momentum to a screeching halt as he looks to carve out his own path in Smash Wrestling? It'll be a battle of the big boys as the devastating dawn of Disgraceland, John Greed, takes on the powerhouse son of the wrestling machine, Ethan Dukes. Will Greed's wily veteran skills lead him to victory, or is Ethan Dukes going to show the dawn that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree? There'll be tag team action as the very popular physical attraction, The Muscle and Violet Lee, Take on the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions, Halal Beefcake, Idris Abraham, and Joe Coleman. Can Violet Lee manage to keep the muscle focused on the task again, or will the champs continue to dominate the tag team division? Plus, Corey Stone isn't one to waste time, as he declared war on the Pillars his very first night in Smash Wrestling. That war continues on October 27th in Tilsonburg, as he takes on the veteran statesman of the Pillars, the wrestling machine, Tyson Dukes. Will Dukes' unbreakable tenacity make Stone just another brick in the wall for the veteran, or will the Canadian buzzsaw continue to cut through the core of Smash Wrestling? Find out October 27th when Smash Wrestling returns to Tilsonburg for the first time in 10 years. Advanced tickets are available at the following locations, Chrissy's Corner Store, The Copper Mug, and Anytime Fitness. The Copper Mug will also be the host of the After Party. Then, on November 8th, Smash Wrestling presents Proving Grounds in St. Catharines, Ontario, at Isaac's Bar and Grill. And the final stop on the calendar includes a return to St. Thomas. On Saturday, November 23rd, Smash Wrestling returns to St. Thomas at the Joe Thornton Community Center. The last time Smash was in St. Thomas, they sold out and even had to use the bleachers. They promise when they return, they're going to bring the cameras for their next Fight Network taping. Don't miss your opportunity to get on camera and see Smash as they film for the Fight Network 
And here at the Scumbags Wrestling, we're working on putting together a group of fans attending. Whether you're from London and want to travel down any of the three roads to get to St. Thomas, or you're in St. Thomas, contact me to find out how you can be a part of the Scumbags Wrestling section. Taking a look at events throughout Ontario, tonight, October 6th, you can get NWX Wrestling as they present Halloween Hell, happening at the warehouse in St. Catharines, Ontario. So in the matches include C.K. Savage taking on Reckless Ryan Swift. Bruiser Battersby takes on the Canadian bad boy Tyler Hill for the championship in a no-disqualification match. Youth Gone Wild will also be banned from ringside. That's NWX, Northern Wrestling Experience, happening in St. Catharines, Halloween Hell, tonight, October 6th. Then, Friday, October 11th, C4 Wrestling presents Underground, live at Beyond the Pale Brewing Company in Ottawa, Ontario. A big Four Corners Underground Championship contenders match has been signed, with Kevin Blackwood, Frank Milano, Kevin Blanchard, and Holden Albright. Likely a show-stealer, you'll see Red Death, Daniel Garcia, taking on Aiden Prince for the first time ever. Puff will take on a young man making his C4 debut in Hot Stepper, McCray Martin. And for the first time ever, the remix, Kevin Bennett, takes on Young Bull, Junior Benito. As C4 presents Underground Volume 4, live at Beyond the Pale Brewing Company in Ottawa. Tickets are currently all sold out, but they do hope to open up a section for last-minute buyers on the day. On Saturday, October 12th, Pro Wrestling Ontario presents Prophets of War at the Austrian Continental Club in Burlington, Ontario. The reigning openweight champion, Jake Heavyweight Jones, faces his biggest challenge to date as he faces the night train, Justin Sane, Golden Gun, Mark Wheeler, and perhaps his biggest nemesis, the Canadian bad boy, Tyler Hill. Pro Wrestling Ontario also will make history as the first ever internet champion will be crowned. Six men have qualified, but only one will be left standing. Straight up Tyler K. Dean, Tyler Arrow, Lean Worldwide, the undeniable Matt Grant, the Messiah of the Facebuster, J.T. Kirk, and the Wanderer, Wade Allen, will all battle to become the first ever internet champion. Also another first for Pro Wrestling Ontario, a triple threat trios title match. The champ, the king of the north, Carter Mason, Brett Michael David, and Diamond Tiger, Kobe Durst, will be challenged by the absolute anarchy, the lone wolf, Aiden Rain, the grinder, Mark Shaw, and the Canadian buzzsaw, Corey Stone, plus White Trash Circus, Shanimo, White Trash, Matt Cash, and Unsafe Travis Moore all collide in a Triple Threat Trios title match. In tag team match, AC Coca and Johnny DeLuca face an uphill challenge when they take on Hacker Scotty O'Shea and Bone Crusher Steve Brown. 
in a first-ever one-on-one encounter between two of the most unique personalities on the scene today, Space Monkey goes up against Pretty Ricky. Ricky Stardust continues his comeback, facing an angry and dominant beat-down from B-Town, Randy Boyne. And finally, there'll be a triple-threat showdown between three hungry young competitors set to steal the show and ready to attain a big win. Mike Forte, Clay Wilson, and Cutthroat Chris Logan all battle in triple threat action. Tickets are just $20 for general admission and $10 for kids 12 and under. That's PWO Profits of War, Saturday, October 12th at the Austrian Continental Club in Burlington, Ontario. On Sunday, October 13th, New School Wrestling presents No Thanks Needed at the Germania Club in Hamilton, Ontario. Alessandro Del Bruno takes on Brett Michael David for the NSW Heavyweight Championship. The NSW Tag Team Championships will be on the line as Fight or Flight defend against Locked and Loaded. This and many more as NSW New School Wrestling presents No Thanks Needed Sunday, October 13th in Hamilton, Ontario. Sunday, October 13th, Pro Wrestling Eclipse presents Rocktoberfest 2019 at the Royal Canadian Legion Branch 43 in Oshawa, Ontario. There'll be a battle royal featuring the students from the seminar that Highlander Robbie will be doing earlier in the day. PWE Tag Team title match sees the Pillars, Tyson Dukes, and Tarek taking on the Who Warriors. Mercedes and Mains. There'll be a number one contenders match for the PWE TV title. Carter Mason taking on Leem Worldwide. The PWE Flame Championship features Jules Malone taking on CC Moss. PWE Tag Team title match features Tyler Turva taking on Robbie McAllister. And the PWE Championship match has Cody Diener taking on Quan Chang. That's Pro Wrestling Eclipse, presenting Rocktoberfest, October 13th, in Oshawa. Also on October 13th, Destiny Wrestling presents Haywire, happening at Battle Arts Academy in Mississauga, Ontario. At the Don Kozlov Arena, this will be a taping for their Fight Network show. Since it is a taping for the Fight Network, they'll bring in show host Alicia Atut. You'll see Death Threat Army making their Destiny Wrestling debut, taking on Hakeem Zane and Lionel Knight. They'll be in number one contenders match for the Next Generation title as Alex Zane takes on Aiden Prince. World Wrestling in studio, getting ready, filming some stuff for our upcoming fall show on uh, Fight Network. It's going to be pretty amazing, but coming up Sunday, October 13th, 
haywire, a TV taping, the cameras, the set, the lights. It's going to be amazing once you be part of the action. And tickets are almost sold out. We only got about 200 tickets left, and that's it. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Already signed, confirmed, the one and only Dalton Castle going to be taking on RJ City. Kevin Blackwood taking on Trey Miguel for the Destiny Next Generation Championship. That's going to be absolutely awesome. Of course, another big one, Channing Decker taking on Sean Spears. Ladies and gentlemen, fashion your seatbelts, anything can happen. And of course, the main event, the Destiny World title is on the line. And of course, the champion, the walking weapon. Josh Alexander will be taking on the villain, Marty Skrull, ladies and gentlemen. A huge main event. Be part of it and get your tickets. Go to destinyworldwrestling.com and get your tickets. It's going to be sold out, and I want to see each and every one of you ringside. Wrapping up this week's calendar is Championship Wrestling from Ontario presenting What Are You Thankful For? on Thanksgiving Day, October 14th at the Rock Pile in Toronto, Ontario. The Hardcore Princess, Jules Malone, takes on Teenage Dirtbag. In a grudge match, Tomer Shalom takes on Toaster. Clash Kincaid faces off against Kyle Brooks. Freebeard Brandon Tidwell takes on Adrian Astar. Safe Travis Moore takes on Young Love. That's Championship Wrestling from Ontario presenting What Are You Thankful For? Thanksgiving Day, Monday, October 14th, at the Rock Pile in Etobicoke, Ontario. Doors open at 12.30 with the bell time at 1 p.m. This concludes our look at the Ontario wrestling scene. My name is The Muscle, Smash Wrestling's hottest free agent. I toss bodies and wheel hotties, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast. Checking out some news with Impact Wrestling. After the purchase Anthem did of Access TV, Impact is set to move to Access later on this month. As a lead-up to their move to Access TV, last week, on Tuesday, October 1st, they showed Homecoming. This week on Access TV, they're showing a replay of Rebellion on October 8th. Then on October 15th, they're showing Slammiversary 17. Then on October 22nd, they're putting together a special highlight package called This is Impact, followed by October 29th, the debut of Impact on Access TV. In the meantime, they'll still be on Friday nights on Pursuit Channel and the Fight Network. The weekend of October 18th to 20th, they're going to be very busy. Impact is with three events, including Prelude to Glory, presented by Wrestling Travel. Before the biggest pay-per-view event of the year, Bound for Glory, happens on October 20th in Chicago, Impact Wrestling's loaded lineup will be in South Bend, Indiana, for Prelude to Glory on Impact Plus. Then the next night, on October 19th, is All Glory. Impact Wrestling is teaming up with Warrior Wrestling and Zello Pro Wrestling to bring fans a night they're never going to forget. On the eve of Bound for Glory, Impact Wrestling will be hosting All Glory, an event that allows fans to engage and interact with Impact Wrestling's loaded roster. 
Then, on Sunday, October 20th, we'll be Bound for Glory, Impact Wrestling's biggest card of the year. Bound for Glory will have eight matches so far announced, including the North, Ethan Page, and Josh Alexander defending the tag team titles against Rich Swan and Willie Mack and the team of Rhino and Rob Van Dam. There'll be a Call Your Shot gauntlet match where the winner could choose any championship match of their choice. Jake Kreese takes on Tessa Blanchard, Dega, and two other competitors to be announced in a five-way intergendered ladder match for the Impact Wrestling X Division Championship. Taya Valkyrie will defend the Impact Knockouts Championship against Tennille Dashwood. There'll be a six-man tag team match with the Rascals, Desmond Xavier, Che Miguel, and Zachary Wentz taking on Dr. Wagner Jr. and two partners yet to be chosen by Dr. Wagner. Michael Elgin takes on Mara Fuji. Ken Shamrock goes one-on-one against Moose. And Brian Cage defends the Impact Wrestling World Championship against Sammy Callahan. All this happening at... Bound for Glory 2019, Sunday, October 20th, from Chicago, Illinois. This is Sting Bassey. You're listening to the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. As said at the top of the show, this was premiere week for WWE, but it was also the very first episode of the highly anticipated All Elite Wrestling Dynamite show that happened on TNT. Here in Canada, we had a last-minute announcement on Monday and confirmed Tuesday morning about it showing on TSN. Fans here in Canada can catch AEW Dynamite live each and every Tuesday on TSN 2 for the next couple weeks, and I believe the last week in October, it'll be on TSN 3. Now let's take a look at the results of the very first episode of AEW Dynamite. It came to us from the sold-out Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. It was hosted by Tony Schiavone, Excalibur, and Jim Ross for the broadcast team that will be on a weekly basis for Dynamite. The first match started off with the American Nightmare Cody, who was accompanied to the ring by Brandy Rhodes, taking on Sammy Guevara. Tony Schiavone was sure to point out that this was the first action that TNT has seen in almost 20 years since WCW went off the air and was sold to WWE. This match went back and forth between Sammy and Cody. At one point, Cody went for a dive outside the ring and Sammy pulled Brandy in front of him and used Brandy as a shield with Cody hitting his own wife. Kevin Smith was at ringside and was playing it up really kind of a bad moment, I would say, for that. But then, inside the ring, Cody hit a springboard cutter, but then Sammy Guevara hit a top rope springboard cutter on Cody. Guevara ended up missing a shooting star press, and Cody rolled up Guevara for the victory. The first match in AEW history on TNT has been now in the books and people remember that Sammy Guevara 
lost to Cody. After the match, Sammy uh, was trying to congratulate Cody for the victory. But it was kind of odd after Brandy was used as a shield that Cody would even bother to try and shake this uh, kid's hand. Kind of weird, but it was all a distraction for Chris Jericho to come out and blindside Cody and beat him down as these two will face off against each other at full gear for the AEW Championship. So they're building up that story on that end. Jericho powerbomb Cody onto two steel chairs outside the ring as Brandy ended up watching on. Jericho then celebrated and grabbed the microphone and taunted Cody and the fans. Second match was Brandon Cutler, who's a friend of the Young Bucks and is being brought back to wrestling after he had walked away for a while. And he went up against MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. MJF was on the microphone as he came down to ringside, taunting the fans, made fun of Brandon Cutler and anybody who plays Dungeons Dragons. There was a little Twitter war going on with them ahead of time and D&D fans are all up in arms about MJF's comments. At one point, Cutler had the upper hand and he hit a tope suicida on MJF, but as he went to the top rope, he ended up grabbing for his knee, so he must might have hurt that along the way. MJF quickly capitalized on the situation and hit Cutler with the salt of the earth armbar finisher for the tap out victory. Kevin Smith and Jason Muse were interviewed at ringside as they were also promoting Jay and Silent Bob reboot. And they were interrupted by Jack Evans and Angelico. Private Party came to the aid of Silent Bob and Jay. And things got out of control with a pull apart between them. SCU did a video promo at, around some of the monuments in Washington. Scorpio Sky was doing somewhat of a Barack Obama impersonation. And that took us to the ring where Tony Giovanni was in the ring with SCU and asked them questions about the upcoming tag team tournament to determine the new or first ever champions, all of a sudden, the Lucha Brothers came out, they got into it, another pull-apart, it's a lot of downtime with these guys, and with the pull-apart with Jericho and Cody, then Private Party and Jellico evans combination, this was a third pull-apart in as many segments. Third match of the night saw Hangman Adam Page take on the Bastard Pac. This was supposed to happen months ago, but due to contract issues and creativeness and Pac having Dragon's Gate title, he wasn't going to lose. So a whole bunch of things came into factor of that match not happening. It finally happened on the premiere episode of AEW Dynamite, which might have been a better setting. Unfortunately, for some of this, the fans were kind of silent and it took away from what could be a really incredible match between these two. So as this went back and forth, 
near the end. Page went for a buckshot, but Pac was able to avoid it. Earl Hebner got distracted. He was the referee uh, for the match, and Pac ended up hitting a low blow mule kick on Adam Page. Pac then took advantage, hit a black arrow, and submitted Page with a brutalizer. It's an interesting combination that Pac is doing with doing the black arrow with the opponent face down so that he can quickly transition into the brutalizer. And that's the same combination he took out Kenny Omega with at All Out. And now Pac is 2-0 in AEW. The next match had Britt Baker come out to join the commentary. I'm not sure if she was more focused on the match or just nervous about being on commentary with Tony Schiavone, Excalibur, and Jim Ross. But she really didn't come off well in that position. But four people on a microphone, it's okay. I'm down with her not talking too much. But yeah, she was there to observe the first ever AEW Women's Championship uh, presentation title match where Nyla Rose took on Rio. And it was probably one of the best matches of the night. Nyla Rose uh, used her obvious size advantage over Rio for the majority of the match. Rio is trained by Kenny Omega and actually he is here in London, Ontario today for photos with Kenny. I'm not sure if she's even going to be a part of Kenny's panel at 1.30. You can check that all out at London Comic Con. But Nyla did a lot of the power moves that you would expect from a larger competitor. She even caught Rio doing a crossbody from the top rope to the outside, put her into the post. They just went all over the place. At uh, one point, Rose went for a chair. The referee took it away from her. She then got more chairs out, piled it on the entranceway, put Rio on top, and she went for a cannonball off the top or the ring apron. She ended up crashing herself into the chairs as Rio moved out of the way. This opened up the door for Rio to take advantage and be on top. She ended up hitting a running double knee strike on Nyla Rose to become the first ever AEW Women's Champion. Rio's celebration was cut short as Michael Nakazawa tried to get in the ring and interview Rio, but Nyla ended up hitting Nakazawa with a lager bomb before Nyla could grab the new champ. Kenny Omega ended up running down to the ring to defend Rio and prevent further destruction from the native beast. Up next was the main event. Featuring the elite Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks taking on the AEW World Champion Chris Jericho plus the former LAX team of Santana and Ortiz. They have yet to get a official name for these guys as they probably can't use LAX in AEW. Jericho started out by playing mind games with Omega, tagging in and out without touching, and then the match started going. As the fight went to the outside with Santana, Ortiz, and the Bucks, Kenny Omega was left in the ring by himself and was then attacked by John Moxley. For whatever reason, the six-man tag team match was not thrown out and not called a disqualification even with outside interference. Moxley and 
Omega started fighting all over the place. They went through the crowd, ended up at an area where there was a mop and bucket, and they referenced the whole Kenny Omega being the cleaner in Japan aspect of things. He started using the mop on Moxley. Moxley got the advantage. They went to the VIP area where Moxley ended up putting Kenny through a coffee table and smashing it, though it looked like Moxley took more of the damage than Kenny Omega did. However, back in the ring, it was now a handicap match with the Bucks against Jericho, Ortiz, and Santana. And, of course, as you would expect, the numbers were too much for the Young Bucks, and they ended up losing the match. Jericho ended up hitting the Jesus effect on Matt Jackson and got the pinfall victory. Cody then ran to the ring uh, to do his business to get revenge on Jericho for the attack earlier in the evening. Plus, of course, he's good friends with the Young Bucks, the Elite, and wanted to send a message to Jericho. But that was quickly countered by Sammy Guevara returning to the ring to go after Cody. It became chaotic with Dustin Rhodes coming out to save his brother and the Young Bucks. And unfortunately, even that wasn't enough as there was a surprise debut of Jake Hager, which most fans would recognize as the former WWE World Champion, U.S. Champion, Jack Swagger. Of course, fans did recognize him as that and started chanting, We the People. JR went the other way and called him Jake Hager, a MMA Bellator fighter, which he has been doing that since leaving WWE. Either way, however you want to reference him, Jake Hager is there in AEW. They put Dustin Rhodes through a podium, table, whatever they wanted to call it, and they stood victorious over Dustin, Cody, Matt, and Nick Jackson. And so that's how the debut of AEW Dynamite went down with the heels standing victorious. As for my personal view of this whole show, I thought there were some hit and misses there. Uh, as mentioned, too many pull-aparts, downtime uh, there. And when you're going against WWE and NXT at the same time, those moments will make people flip the channel and go and check out what the other guys are doing. Same warning for NXT. If they have any downtimes like that, people are going to flip the channel and go over to AEW. With the show itself, I think the commentary worked out really well. Tony Schiavone has been somewhat missed on commentary for a while. Of course, he's been back with MLW Wrestling, so some of the rust they might have had before. If he hadn't been doing that, he's off. He's been doing his podcast for a while with Conrad Thompson of What Happened When. So he's back in the swing of things doing wrestling stuff. He's also been doing baseball since WCW went off the air. The combination with Excalibur and JR worked well. Tony knew when to get in and out. He could be serving also as the Gene Orkelin uh, side of things with mimicking WCW Nitro. And he'd be the interview guy in ring like or on the stage like he did during this episode. It was refreshing to not have 
a 20 minute promo to open up a show. They only had like one video package and that was at the start to highlight Cody and Guevara. And, you know, they just tried to use as much as they could trying to create their own stories, utilizing the commentary very well in doing so. And those moments of coming down to ring like MJF with the microphone, it worked out production wise. I thought it looked really good, really sharp, crisp, looked like a WD presentation. So on your first kick of the can and doing a show for the first time, if you're able to have the same sort of production value and recognizable format as WD who've been doing it forever, then that's saying something great for this. Ratings-wise, AEW did beat NXT, but that was going to be expected because this was the first ever show. NXT's been around for five years prior to this. They already did two weeks on USA Network, so it wasn't something big and special, even though they did stack their card, and I'll get to those results in just a little bit. They got 1.4 million people to watch their first episode. NXT had only 800,000, I believe, for their show. As I said, it's understandable. Premier episode. My downside to AEW. They say they want to change things and give a different presentation, which having a lot of matches, or just five matches, but longer matches, did work. The lack of promos did work. However, as I said, the production looked like a WWE show. It did not look different than what we've seen before. If they want to be fresh, they want to be different, they need to present that as different. They want to present themselves as sport. As much as you want to say, oh, this person's 2-0, and oh, this person's 1-1, one and one, whatever records they have, get your rules straight. What was the rules with that six-man tag as the main event that allowed John Moxley to interfere and not have the match thrown out. Why does it continue as a handicap match? Explain this to me. If they want sports sort of feel to it and make it more real, maybe I would do a split screen as they're coming down the ring. You see them coming down, but on the other side, you get the stats just like you would for any football player, baseball player, you know, the team, whatever it is, the stats of who they are, their height, their weight, their records, that will make it more sports-oriented looking and feeling and different from what WD presents every week. So just a few things to tweak. They got a huge amount of momentum as WD complimented them on. It's great. Congratulations. Everything you have. And I echo those sentiments. I want AEW to succeed. They need another alternative, but be an alternative, not a copy of what WWE is. The proof will be in the coming weeks, months, even year of how their presentation is, if they can keep the same momentum. Right now, AEW is booking more as an event-to-event type deal. They have to build their storylines, but not every event is going to be like a 
double or nothing, all out, full gear, whatever it's going to be. It's going to be individual shows. Speaking of individual shows, next week AEW comes from Boston, and they're going to start the tag team tournament to determine the first ever AEW tag team champions. Week 3 of AEW Dynamite will be from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Week 4 on October 23rd will be from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Week 5 will be in Charleston, West Virginia on October 30th. On November 6th, Charlotte, North Carolina will host episode number 6 of Dynamite. All this is leading to AEW Full Gear, which will happen on pay-per-view Saturday, November 9th. Two matches that we definitely do know about is Cody against Chris Jericho, unless Jericho drops the title beforehand, but all everything points to the fact that it will be Jericho versus Cody at full gear. We'll also see John Moxley against Kenny Omega, plus many more matches that will be set up over the next couple of weeks during AEW Dynamite. Cody Rhodes also posted on his Twitter account that Tuesdays on their AEW YouTube channel, there'll be AEW Dark. The matches you did not see recorded during Dynamite will be presented during AEW Dark. This could also set up a possibility of the fact that executives with TNT and Turner are happy with what happened with the debut of Dynamite, and rumor has it that they might be looking to give AEW a second show already and put it on TBS. Whether that's true or not, we'll check it out and keep an eye out for official announcements. But if that's the case, they're going to have a little bit of oversaturation already as they try and get their feet under them. If it works, great for them. Just hope it's not too much too soon. Hello. Do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast? Well, give me a shout at our email address, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast. We'll give your business a shout-out, including information on how people can reach out to you and information on your services. WWE had a huge week with their premiere week for Raw, NXT, and SmackDown. Everybody looked fresh and new. Raw got a new set. SmackDown got a new set. Both are individual not the same set that's going to be on week to week between the two shows. So they both are going to have two different looks, one for USA and Raw, one for Fox and SmackDown. Starting with Raw, they came from Phoenix, Arizona, and Rey Mysterio came out to start off the show, thanked the fans, and said that he's there because of his son, who Dominic was sitting at ringside. His speech didn't last long as he was interrupted by Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. Lesnar hit the ring, hit a couple F5s on Rey Mysterio, and then went out and dragged Dominic over the barricades 
and brutally attacked him, hitting him into the post, hitting German suplexes, and he gloated about the destruction he had as Ray tried to protect his son. Of course, Dominic and Ray had to go to the hospital, and that was the end we saw Ray, and we unfortunately were not going to get the Ray Mysterio Jr. versus Seth Rollins Universal title match that was guaranteed from the week before when Ray won a gauntlet match to become the number one contender. Sasha Banks ended up beating one half of the women's tag team champions, Alexa Bliss. Bailey and Nikki Cross had been banned from ringside, but when Sasha had made motion to get Bailey to come from the crowd, Alexa was distracted by it, and Sasha was able to roll up Alexa for the victory. Of course, Becky Lynch was on commentary and was doing her best behavior. She promised that's why she was out there, that she wouldn't do anything. But as soon as the match was over, she went after Sasha. And Sasha was able to flee the attack from Becky into the crowd. And Becky made sure that she knew that she meant business by saying, you made this personal, I'm going to make it painful as they meet on Sunday in Hell in Cell for the Raw Women's Championship. Raw Tag Team Champions Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode ended up beating the team of Otis and Tucker, Heavy Machinery, to retain their Tag Team Championships. There was a special Miz TV with Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. They both postured with each other, doing their whole shticks that they like doing, and Rick got all worked up like Ric Flair does, took off his jacket, and said he was tired of hearing Hogan's music all these years. The fans started getting worked up, wanting one more match between these guys, and that'd be crazy considering Rick is like 70 and has a pacemaker and everything, and had so many health issues lately. But they do know how to milk a crowd. Jimmy Hart was at ringside with Hulkin for that, and they ended up announcing that in Saudi Arabia on October 31st, they're going to be captains of a 5 versus 5 tag team match. Now, it has been announced if it's going to be elimination like Survivor Series rules or not, and Hogan then introduced his team captain, which is Universal Champion Seth Rollins, before Flair could introduce his captain, Randy Orton's music hit, and he was introduced as Rick's captain. They decided to have a captains versus captain match. They quickly got the carpet and everything out of the ring from Miz TV, and they were set to have Randy Orton versus Seth Rollins. As the match was going to start, it didn't get too far, King Corbin came out and attacked Seth Rollins, basically acknowledging that he is member number two of Team Flair. And Rusev ended up coming down to save Seth Rollins. They cleared house, left the ring to the tune of Real American. Rusev has just actually just become an American citizen officially. And they met Hogan up on stage and they posed off as they went to commercial. Coming back from commercial, Rusev was confronted by Sarah Shriver, and 
she first asked about Lana, who he didn't want to talk about, and obviously there's some issues going on with him and Lana that they're going to explore. But he did mention that he saved Seth, and since Rey Mysterio was out, he wanted to challenge Seth for the championship, as Seth now owed him. Later on, it was made official that Seth Rollins would take on Rusev for the Universal Championship. The feud between the Viking Raiders and the OC continued, and the Viking Raiders still have the number of the Good Brothers by picking up the victory again over that team. Cesaro gloated about the brutal beatdown that Brock Lesnar gave to Dominic and Rey Mysterio. He said that Dominic is lucky that it was Lesnar that got him because he's been wanting to get at Dominic and Ray himself, which brought in Ricochet, who defended the honor of Ray Mysterio, who's a huge influence on him, and challenged him to a match in the ring after the break. Ricochet picked up the victory over Cesaro. Cedric Alexander got another shot at AJ Styles in the United States Championship and once again came up short. I thought this was the opportunity that they were finally going to switch the title, premiere of Raw, but it's another loss of Alexander. I don't know when they're going to end this between them because AJ seems to have Alexander's number and there's no way that this should continue. There should be another contender for the United States Championship and AJ Styles. Lacey Evans defeated Natalia. This has been going on for a few weeks with each other going back and forth. And Lacey got the upper hand. It did seem like a better match also for Lacey. As Natalia is able to carry people with the best of them. In the main event it was Seth Rollins taking on Rusev. And unfortunately, that match didn't last long either, as Bobby Lashley came out, and then he brought out Lana, and they started making out on the top of the stage with Rusev just watching with his mouth to the floor and basically being stunned by what was going on. Seth was on the floor, and of course then the lights went out, and he was attacked by the fiend Bray Wyatt to end the show with Mandible Claw. Then it was on to the live NXT full two hours on the USA Network, going head-to-head with AEW and Dynamite. With AEW starting off with Guevara and Cody as their first ever match, NXT countered big time with a NXT championship match as Adam Cole defeated Matt Riddle. Following Cole's successful title defense against Matt Riddle, former NXT champion Finn Balor arrived on the scene and immediately made his intentions clear, with only a few words saying, As of now, Finn Balor is NXT. Velveteen Dream came out and he wanted to confront Roderick Strong after losing the NXT North American Championship to him. He had his couch and eight women with him and he said that he's focused on once again becoming the North American Championship once he can get a rematch with Strong. Io Shirai defeated Mia Yim 
Johnny Gargano came out and defeated Shane Thorne. And NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler defeated Candice LeRae. This marks almost a year of Shayna Baszler reigning over the NXT Women's Division as their champion. Who's going to be next to step up against Baszler? I don't know, but they got to do somebody sometime unless she ends up going up to the main roster and just vacating the title like I think Paige ended up doing one time. In a battle of Smash Mouth British style, Pete Dunne defeated Danny Birch with the bitter end, but the victory was not celebrated too long as Damien Priest emerged from beneath the ring and attacked Pete Dunne with a vicious forearm and an exclamation mark with ambush by hitting the reckoning. The main event saw NXT Tag Team Champions, the Undisputed Era, retain their tag team titles over the former champions, the Street Profits. Adam Cole came out to the stage to congratulate his Undisputed Era teammates, Fish and O'Reilly, for their victory. Unfortunately for Cole, he wasn't alone on stage for long, as Tommaso Ciampa appeared on NXT TV for the first time since undergoing spinal fusion surgery last March for his neck injury. Ciampa circled Cole while his eyes were fixated on the NXT Championship, which Ciampa affectionately calls Goldie. No words were exchanged at this, but his intentions obviously were known as he intends to get his title back. This is going to set up a lot of competition for Adam Cole, as he not only has former champion Finn Balor, but also former champion Tommaso Ciampa to worry about. Doesn't pay to be the champion. Then it was on to the final part of Premier Week, as SmackDown moved from USA Network over to Fox and moving from Tuesdays back to Fridays. Fox did a special half-hour blue carpet special to introduce and sort of make his big hoop de doo about the change. It was more like a Oscar or award ceremony red carpet special, just with a blue one, obviously with SmackDown using the color blue as their main color scheme. Earlier in the week, it was announced that The Rock was going to make an appearance on SmackDown. People weren't sure if it was going to be live or via satellite, Skype, pre-tape or what, but it turned out it was live as the show started off with Becky Lynch. She was getting ready for her tag team match with the other four horsewomen teaming with Charlotte to go against Sasha and Bailey, but as she was out there, she was interrupted by King Corbin. Before Corbin could really say too much, he was interrupted by The Rock, who was appearing live. He came down to ringside, made fun of Baron Corbin, as no one else can, along with Becky Lynch, bantering back and forth. Everybody held their own uh, with The Rock in the ring, and it ended up with Baron Corbin taking a few bumps, including a people's elbow and The Rock bottom. After the break, it was the tag team match of Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair defeating Bailey and Sasha. Charlotte had gotten Bailey to tap out to the figure eight, which is now awarded her with a 
shot at the SmackDown Women's Championship as the fourth match announced for Hell in a Cell. Up next was supposed to be Universal Champion Seth Rollins taking on Intercontinental Champion Shinsuke Nakamura in a Champion vs. Champion match. Nakamura was accompanied to ringside by Sami Zayn, but that match didn't last long either as it was interrupted by the Firefly Funhouse and then Bray Wyatt attacked Seth Rollins again with the Mandible Claw. Kevin Owens finally defeated Shane McMahon in a ladder match where the loser of the match would be fired from WWE. Shane did some of his signature bumps, including diving off the top rope onto the announcer's table with a elbow onto Owens. He even attempted the coast-to-coast, but in the end, it wasn't enough. Kevin Owens had splashed Shane McMahon through a ladder that was across the barricade to the ring apron. He climbed the ladder, got the briefcase, and announced to Shane McMahon, like Vince McMahon does, you're fired. As soon as he did that, he then hit a stunner on Shane, sending him out of WD SmackDown for the time being. There was an eight-man tag team match on SmackDown involving The Miz, Heavy Machinery, and Braun Strowman taking on the Raw Tag Team Champions Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode, Randy Orton, and the United States Champion AJ Styles. Partway through the match, Braun Strowman ended up confronting Tyson Fury, who is the current champion, boxing heavyweight champion, and Strowman and him faced off at ringside, sort of in a joking manner it appeared, but then Strowman finished off Ziggler to claim the victory for his team. But this then prompted Tyson Fury to hop over the guardrail and try and fight Strowman. A sea of security intervened, cutting Tyson off before he could get into the ring to square up with Braun. But the situation halted, but bad blood is clearly boiling between Strowman and Fury. There was a lumberjack match featuring Roman Reigns and Eric Rowan. Roman ended up picking up the victory over Eric Rowan. And Daniel Bryan made the save at one point. They tried to shake hands. They'll team together on Sunday at Hell in a Cell to take on Rowan and Harper. In a match that only took 10 seconds, 9 depending on whose stopwatch you look at, Brock Lesnar defeated Kofi Kingston to win the WWE Championship. Right after that victory, Lesnar was confronted by returning Rey Mysterio whose arm was in a sling, and Mysterio did not come alone as he brought Cain Velasquez. Velasquez got into the ring and took down Brock Lesnar, and the Beast quickly got out of the ring and retreated as Velasquez and Rey Mysterio stood tall in the ring to end the premiere episode of SmackDown on Fox. So it was a huge week for WWE, New stages, Pyro returned to WWE as well, some changes coming up, and next week starts the draft for all the WWE, where they're going to reset all the rosters for USA and for Fox, who are supposed to have a lot of influence on what's going on, and it'll take away 
the wildcard rule that we've been experiencing for the last few months. Then, the following week on Raw will be the second half of the draft. So this week on Raw, we'll see the fallout from Hell in a Cell, followed by the first part of the draft on Friday. Hey, it's Jody Thread, and you're listening to Scumbags Podcast. Tonight is WWE Hell in a Cell 2019, coming to us on the WWE Network from Sacramento, California. With how busy WWE has been with the premiere week uh, for Raw, NXT, and SmackDown, unfortunately, this has been an afterthought for WWE, as they only have now four matches officially announced for this card. One of those matches includes Bailey defending the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship against Charlotte Flair. If Charlotte wins, this will be her 10th title. They said that the last time, and she was in her hometown and, of course, lost. I don't know how much longer they can have her not win the title and keep it on Bailey, but I still don't think we should be at number 10 for Charlotte on such a minor card like Hell in a Cell. If it's going to happen a milestone like number 10 for somebody like Charlotte, it should happen on one of the major four. So somehow, Bailey's going to get out of this match and retain the SmackDown Women's Championship. We will also see a tag team match with Dana Bryan teaming with Roman Reigns to take on the Bludgeon Brothers, Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. This whole thing started months ago where it looked like somebody was out to take out Roman Reigns and just very sloppy writing and presentation of this angle has kind of taken it off the rails and it was supposed to lead to Dana Bryan and Roman Reigns somehow and that didn't happen, at least not in a logical way. So they seemed to drop that and made it seem as though Eric Rowan has worked on his own, maybe even obviously with Luke Harper and didn't include Dana Bryan with this. And so Daniel's now face with... Roman Reigns, however, I think this is just a gay bait and switch of, oh, look at over here type deal for them to get back on track and make it back to the idea of Roman and Daniel Bryan. With that said, it's going to look like a regular tag team match until Bryan steps away and leaves Roman to the dogs. Or, well, he is the big dog, no pun intended, but leaves him to Rowan and Harper and joins with them to beat down Roman Reigns. So this is not going to be a real match. It's just setting up Dana Bryan going back to being a heel. And it's setting up Roman versus Bryan with the fact that either, well, he won't go to Saudi Arabia. So this could be for Survivor Series whether Roman has to get some partners and it becomes a elimination match or anything like that, we'll have to see. But I do see Daniel Bryan turning on Roman to realign with Eric Rowan and now Luke Harper. Then one of the two Hell in a Cell matches that have been confirmed was the fact that 
Becky Lynch is going to defend the Raw Women's Championship against Sasha Banks. I still don't know if it's time to take the title off of Becky Lynch. I know they got the SmackDown title off her quickly after she was dual champion from WrestleMania. And they did just recently bring back Sasha Banks. And they can't just have brought her back and not promised her something. Sasha was in the first ever Hell in a Cell match with, I believe it was Charlotte. And now she's going against her other uh, four horsewoman stablemate in Becky Lynch. They're going to have a tremendous match, I think, between these two. It's a tough call. I think the title is still going to remain on Becky Lynch. The final match that's been scheduled, and they've done, I guess, the most work to promote, is Seth Rollins defending the Universal Championship against The Fiend Bray Wyatt inside the Hell in a Cell. Each and every time The Fiend has shown up, Seth Rollins looks like a little child fearing for his life, having a bad nightmare, and The Fiend has also attacked him and gotten him with the Mandible Claw. I think he might have even hit a Sister Abigail on him, but definitely got him with the Mandible Claw multiple times. Is this the right time for The Fiend to get the uh, title? I don't know. I uh, could just pull the same thing as Brock Lesnar with him by not overexposing The Fiend and having him with the title and terrorizing for a while. But then he will have to drop the belt eventually, kind of taking away the mystique that they're trying to create with him, like the, how they did with The Undertaker years ago. And I don't know if The Fiend actually needs the title. I don't know how then they get out of this without him having the belt because Hell in a Cell is no disqualification all the time. So even if somebody interferes, unless it's somebody who's going to be the feuding with the Fiend, but then that puts them in a heel position. So I don't know what's going on, how they're going to get out of it. The only thing I can think of is they don't get out of it and... The Fiend does take the title. He is one of the most popular acts that the WWE has right now. And to play around with that, they can find a way out of it later on. So, I guess the only title I do see kind of switching could be Seth Rollins, even though he just got it back from Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. So, I don't know. I don't overly like playing hot potato with titles either. As for the rest of the card, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't even think WWE knows what's going to happen. They'll probably just have everybody show up and then randomly pick people to go against each other to fill out the rest of the card. Uh, there could be a couple surprise title matches. Uh, we could even see Rusev and Bobby Lashley already as they started their angle on Monday. Yeah, it's so up in the air, but... Those four matches are confirmed. It's WD Hell in a Cell on the WD Network. And you can ch catch it later on tonight. So those are my predictions. Be sure to check out our Facebook page where you can post your predictions for this. And we're probably going to have to go live and put in our predictions as the matches start being rolled out.
Ladies and gentlemen, this is Brent Money Banks, and you are listening to Scumbags of Wrestling. Scumbags is money. And this concludes another episode of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Be sure to share us on any of the formats that you listen to podcasts from with all your wrestling fans, and join me every Friday as the production line rolls out another two matches from the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory. It's available on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. Join me later on tonight as we do a live chat for WD Hell in a Cell. And don't forget to go to London Comic Con later on this afternoon at 1.30 to see Rio and Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega is doing a Q&A at 1.30 and beforehand doing autographs and photos. So until next time, have a great one. We'll be back next week with results from Hell in a Cell and what happens on WTV and AEW Dynamite. I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night.